Paging Dr. Randy. Paging Dr. Randy. I just got on call and they're paging me already. They want me to do work as soon as I get to work. Come on. Let's go. Yes, you. Come on. Well, I'm Dr. Randy. Nice to meet you. I'm a licensed family medicine physician. Since you're on call with me today, I want to make sure you learn as much as possible. Me and a few of my special friends are here to give you all the tips and info you need to live a balanced, healthy life. Are you ready to be on call with me? I hope so. So let's get it going. Our shift starts right now. Welcome back, healthy people, to On Call with Dr. Randy, your source of health information every Wednesday. Thanksgiving is tomorrow. I hope you all have something to be thankful for this year. And if you're going to do some Black Friday shopping, make sure you look out for your boy. I'm looking for some casual shoes. So if you see anything in a 14 or 15, shoot me a message. It's, it's hard out here for us people with these big boats. So if you see something that looks nice and in my size, shoot me a message. This week, I conclude the series on I'm Too Young for This Ish. This episode is part two of my interview with third year medical student Lauren Brown. Last week, we discussed her condition of hydrocephalus. And this week, we discussed her being diagnosed with ulcerative colitis as a teenager. If you listened last week, you know that ulcerative colitis is an inflammatory condition of the colon. And when the condition gets too bad, you can actually have part of your colon removed. And Lauren has had part of her colon removed. She has been through a lot, yet she is still here and will be a great neurosurgeon in the future. We will discuss how ulcerative colitis took its toll on her mentally and physically during her adolescent years. So let's go on call with student doctor Lauren Brown. So you talked about uh, mentioning about your ulcerative colitis. You got diagnosed when you were a teenager. So that was something else that just kind of randomly came on your plate, I'm assuming out of nowhere. So what was it like getting that diagnosis and your original symptoms that you had? Oh yeah, that it sucked. I, I'm not gonna lie, like you're saying it's just another random thing to happen. I'm just starting to tell people I'm a dud. Like I did it, you know, whatever could happen did happen. Um so I I actually had to ask my mom this the other day. I think I remember like the most traumatic things where what I remember is the doctor saying, okay, we can, we're going to first try steroids because that's like their first, like the first line, like what you start with when they were like, let's see. And then like my mom was like, nah, I ain't seeing enough. And I like went to school one morning and then came home and she was in the driveway waiting on me to take me to the hospital. I'm like, what? Like, like, that's what I remember the most. Like, that's what's in my mind the most. But she was telling me, I asked her, I was like, wait, but what did bring us to the doctor the first time? And she was the one who actually explained that she was like, because my first symptom was my bowel habits changed. And so she said that she was like, well, you kept running back and forth to the bathroom all the time. And she was like, the one thing that really caught my attention was you going through the night. And so I guess, first of all, I didn't usually go through the night. And then if I did, it might've been like once, but she was saying that, no, like there were nights where you would be up and down, you know, nine, 10 times, like through the night, probably not even getting any sleep because I'm just up going back and forth to the bathroom. Um, and one of the things, so she says, that's what got us to the appointment in the first place um, for them to find out, you know, 
we're running all the tests and it's like, okay, you do have ulcerative colitis, but that includes like exactly like it sounds ulcerative. So I have ulcers and I'm also, so I'm bleeding. Um, and so they're trying to treat me and I'm still like you're saying, I'm young. I want to be normal. I'm going to school, doing all the things. Um, I've been in marching band like all my life. And this took, I think for me to get to medical school, but one of the things is that like I was short of breath. Like we would, I would be at marching practice and I would literally just, we would literally be in formation walking around and I would just walk away and sit down because like I was short of breath and I couldn't breathe and I'd be like, I'm just going to pass out. So I would just sit down and it wasn't even the fact of, you know, it wasn't your lungs or like the oxygen or like you're not getting enough. It's literally like, I had lost so much blood that I literally didn't have the blood to carry the oxygen around to my organs, like to the tissues. Yeah. So you must have been losing some blood and start becoming anemic. That's why you probably were starting to become short of breath. Mm -hmm. Um, That is one of the Mm -hmm. things that had to happen. The timeline, I think maybe this is before all the surgeries, but I did end up having a blood transfusion at one point. Did you end up having a colonoscopy? Yep. Um, I had the colonoscopy. And I remember I ended up, I feel like we ran all the tests, A to Z. Uh, but I had the test. It's like you you drink the contrast and they look all the way down, like your whole, everything, all your intestines, mm-hmm. like your stomach and all that. That might have been like the first thing they did, but I felt like they ran everything. <laughs> And how was that for you again at that age when you're, I'm assuming by that time period, maybe you feel like you're stable from the hydrocephalus. You're starting to live somewhat of a normal life for you. And then bam, something else on the table. Like, how was that for you mentally? Yeah. um, I remember you asking like about how I felt with brain surgeries and everything. I can say this time around, I was scared. And I think I was scared because it was unfamiliar to me. I think that's that's the only thing that kind of keeps me level with brain surgery, which it sounds kind of crazy. But like I said, it's like, oh, I'm used to this. You know, like I I do this all the time. Mm -hmm. When it came to ulcerative colitis, I didn't know anything about it Had never met anyone with it. You know, obviously I had never had it before. And I really I didn't know what to expect, what they do, you know, anything. Like, how how do you stop this? So I think throughout the whole time until everything was said and done and I was once again stable, I think I was scared the whole entire time because I I think mm-hmm. I might have thought, you know, there's nothing they can do. You know what I mean? Like, what if I just end up, <laughs> yeah, yeah, not being able to, you know, get any treatment. Right. Because you had your, like we kind of talked about your, your normal for you. It's kind of making me think about somebody who, like me, when I went to med school, lived in another environment where it snowed a lot. And people up there, they know what to do when it snows and how cold it goes, how cold it gets. And I'm going up there with just a leather jacket. Like, no, you got to get you a North Face jacket. I'm like, what's a North Face jacket? Like, you're going to be cold in that leather jacket. And I figured it out. Like, yeah, I need something real to keep me nice and warm. So it's getting into a different kind of area for you. So then you had to end up having a, a colectomy done. And so for those who don't know what a colectomy is, that's when you have part of your colon removed. 
And so with ulcerative colitis, you have a lot of inflammation inside of your intestines and you added a lot in your colon area and it had to be removed. So what was was the surgery like? So I had my whole colon removed, all of it. So all of it's gone. Um, One thing that I could say is that I'm probably 5'3", 5'4", the most. I talked to one of the doctors to ask them and my colon was six feet. Ooh. Yep. You had a python cold. Yeah. Man. <laughs> and along the lines of me being a dud, I say that I'm like, I'm a woman. Like things are just so I remember the surgeon telling my mom, like, there's only so much you can do as as we'll know that okay, when you have surgery, you really won't know until you get in there. Like even if they're like, Hey, we plan on this, but we might have to do something else. So the surgeon told my mom, okay, it'll either be two or three surgeries. We will know when we get in there. And of course, after the first surgery, when I wake up, how many do I have to have? Three. (laughs) And he literally said, you were either sick for a long time and didn't know, or you got very sick very quickly. So like, obviously this surgery, obviously, (laughs) it wasn't one that I got to watch, but (laughs) I feel like when he got in there, he probably saw a whole mess. Like, what? <laughs> so I ended up having three surgeries to remove the colon. Um, and some of it was kind of like just to let you heal. Like they don't do everything at once. And then as the time between the surgeries, I have an ileostomy bag, um, which is, sorry, this is going to be gross, y'all, but literally just your bowels, you go on the outside. Like you can't go to the bathroom like a normal mm-hmm. person. Um, so I did the first. Yep, your bowels are connected to your abdominal wall and basically you poop into a bag. That's the simplest way to put it. And yeah, then eventually yeah. maybe they can connect it back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Just keeping it real and raw right that's, here. Yeah, that's what I really um but yeah you're absolutely right after the first surgery i had a bag i went into the second surgery had a bag and then the third surgery was like you said was they were able to reconnect me so i guess i can't be too mad i just you know i guess i stayed away from people while i had the bag but yeah like that that was super fun as as a senior in high school Right, right. And did you feel like you ever went through a period of depression going through all of this? Because sometimes we may not realize as a child, some of the symptoms that we had back then were signs of depression and feeling down. Mm-hmm. Now that you say that, I probably did. I believe so. And I, I feel like more, like less at the end, but more towards the beginning. Um, I think I really, because I didn't know any option, but like we're saying, I mean, I wasn't a doctor then. I was, I was a high schooler, but I think since I didn't see a way out and I didn't know there was one, I was just kind of like, oh, wow, I'm going to die. I'm going to die at 17. Wouldn't even, you know, I didn't even get to graduate. So yeah, I think I probably did have depression. And then who was your support system that get you out of that depression? Was it you going to church, prayer warriors, your mom, your friend circle? Who was helping you out during all of this? Yes, that's what I was going to say. All of that. You you answered it yourself. But yes, definitely <laughs> my family. My goodness. And you saying that my mom's friends are the prayer warriors. That's so cool. So my mom, my dad, my little brother, uh, bless his heart. My little brother 
and he's the little sibling. He always has my back. Like even the last shunt surgery when I was like going up and everything, he's like running out of his room, like, you know, like he's gonna do something. You know, he's not a doctor. <laughs> but yes, they always have my back, my grandparents, and yeah, any anyone who knows the family and knows me. They are definitely my prayer warriors. They always have my back. They know everything I've been through. And they're just like, they they tell me all the time, like, you're so amazing. Like, we don't know how, you know, you went through all of that. Shout out to all the prayer warriors out there, praying for Lauren, praying for me, praying for the whole world. They sitting at home and we don't even know that they praying for us, but we receiving their prayers. Amen. Amen. Ooh, I, I can feel it right now. Woo! <laughs> Let me calm down a little. <laughs> Let me calm. So how did all of this inspire you to go to medical school? Like we mentioned earlier, you're a third year medical student. And how did all of what you've been through serve as an inspiration for yourself? Um, once I realized what hydrocephalus actually was and what shunt placement was and who did all of that in my mind, I this is what I tell people today. They're like, you know, what do you want to do? Like, that's what everyone asks you when you're on rotations. And I literally say, I want to put shunts in babies' brains. Like, it's not even a, you know, I want to do family or I want to do feeds or I want to, like, I literally want to put shunts in babies' brains. Mm-hmm. And I've had several people, you know, if they don't know you, like, I'm, I'm new to the medical scene. So, like, everyone in my younger days, they know why. And when people ask me and I tell them, they're like, where, where did you come up with, what are you talking about? And like, I just have to tell them, like, that's literally what I've been through. And I sometimes think of that. I'm like, that's, that's literally all I know. That's been my whole entire life. So it seemed like, oh, it just seems natural then that I would do it. That would just literally be my whole life. That's what I do. That's what's up. We know you'll get to that point in life where you'll do that. It might take you like 12 years because you all have a lot of training to do. (laughs) But you will definitely get there. So if someone's listening who has a child with hydrocephalus or has hydrocephalus personally, what kind of inspiration or words of wisdom would you give them? Yeah, I would just want them to know just to hold on and keep fighting. And I think that's also one thing that I think of going through medical school, becoming a doctor, living out your dream or like the career you want, that you can do it. Like that, I think that's what I would tell them because sometimes you do worry with like illness or like feeling like, oh, I'm sick. You know what I mean? Like you can do it. You can do it. Mm -hmm. And is there any way that the medical industry can do better in supporting individuals with hydrocephalus or ulcerative colitis? Sometimes we don't know what we don't know as far as you being on the other side and being a patient and may be blind to certain things. So what could the health industry do better? Yeah, that's true. Um, I actually, I can't think of anything at the moment. I, I feel like my treatment has always been so great. And one thing I ha- did just hear about last week that the research for um, hydrocephalus almost made me want to go to go into research. So I think that's great. And as far as ulcerative colitis, yeah, I think I think what they have now with treatment options is really good. Yeah. Right. So I would encourage people who are listening, especially people of color, to consider doing some research, uh, being participants. 
We won't know if certain treatments work specifically for us if we don't get in those treatments. And I know we're always worried about people um, experimenting on us, but you can sit down, have a conversation and see what kind of treatments that they may be doing and if it may be beneficial. They're not going to force you to do anything and you can just kind of sit down and have a conversation and the thing may work for you. You may get a placebo. You don't know until the end, but it will definitely be beneficial for us and the culture overall and helping improve our health. All right. So as we wrap up, I always like to end with Randy's random questions. Are you ready, Lauren? Yes. <laughs> All right. So question number one. You like to sing, I've been told, correct? Yes. <laughs> All right. So what song, if it came on, that you would start singing word for word? Like if this song just start playing, you're like, I know every lyric of this song. I'm going to sing it from the top of my lungs. Um, some people may have to put their fingers in their ears because this is my song. What song would you sing? I'm not going to lie that it's pretty much all of them. Um, I know a lot of songs, but right now, oh, what is one I can think of right now? Oh my goodness. I don't probably anything Mariah Carey. Some Beyonce, some Jasmine. So, oh, you said some Mariah. Yeah. I was going to say probably Beyonce as well, but because I'm so busy studying, I haven't really kept up with her newest stuff. So I feel like, if you mm-hmm. press play on Mariah, I could probably sing whatever song played. <laughs> Any specific uh, Mariah song? Like one of my favorite albums by her, I think it's The Emancipation of Mimi. I think uh, one of my Ooh. favorite songs on there is, uh, I think, Save the Night. Oh, let me let me not start singing that. But yeah. Save the Night? Save the Night. Yeah, yeah. She 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 kills that one. I, I don't have the copyrights to start singing it right now, but Real fans, no. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Question number two, still music related. Okay. What song would you play or somebody would play that will make you start dancing? If you were just out in the middle of the hospital and they start playing this song on the speakers over the hospital system, what song would make you start dancing immediately? Besides back that thing up, we're not going to count that as a song. Everybody's <laughs> We can't dance to that. That probably kick me out of it. Honestly, the first time that came to mind is Cuff It. And I'm not going to lie, it's probably because of the TikTok trend. Okay. Okay. So if those don't know, uh, Beyonce put out a song called Cuff It. I think that's the favorite song, my favorite song on her new album, Cuff It. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the most kind of stereotypical Beyonce song on there. So that's why I probably gravitate towards that. Yeah, but thank you for being on the podcast, Lauren. Any kind of lasting words of wisdom you want to leave with everybody? No, like I said, you can do it. Everybody, you can do it. Whatever you want to put your mind to. All right, that's simple enough. Appreciate it. that's it for the miniseries I'm Too Young for This Ish. I discussed a lot on this miniseries. Multiple sclerosis, thyroid cancer, Graves disease, hydrocephalus, and ulcerative colitis. 
It was a lot of different conditions and a lot of different stories. And I hope you all enjoyed this series. Thank you to all my guests for participating and sharing your stories. I appreciate you for being open, honest, and vulnerable. Thank you to you, the listener, for also listening to their stories. If you enjoyed this series, let me know. Send me a message on my social media channels or leave a comment on YouTube. I may do this in the future, but only if you all enjoyed it. And I only know if you enjoyed it if you send me some feedback. So give me some feedback so I know if you actually like this series. Thank you to those who have also shared my podcast on social media platforms. Some people I don't even know have shared it and I greatly appreciate the love. I will be back next week to share more great health tips. And as always, stay healthy physically and mentally. Have a great week.